so many parents are in difficult situations and they think that I can't do this because I'm a single parent or because I work long hours or whatever it is. But I just want to encourage you, you can do this thing. And not only can you do it, but on the other side of a detox is is life and life abundant. It is It will make things better and even easier in the long run. So I just want to encourage you, you can absolutely do this. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders. Joining me today is Molly DeFrank. She is the founder of the Online Digital Detox, where she helps free families from their addictions to devices. She has a degree in international relations and worked as a press aide for former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. These days, she's a stay-at-home mom and foster mom to six kids ages 12 and under. Well, Molly, welcome to the show. Molly DeFrank with the book Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. What really grabbed my heart is that you're a foster parent. Yeah, I am. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to talk with you about that. Foster parenting is a, a huge passion of ours. How long have you been a foster parent? I want to say four or five years. We've had a lot of kids come and go in that time. My grandkids, three of them are adopted out of the foster system. I really have a heart for that because I know it takes a special person. I know it's not easy, (laughs) but I also know for these kids to have somebody that will just love on them, no matter how angry or upset they are, is just really really a blessing. And thank you for doing that. It's definitely just really important to my husband and I to care for the orphans. My husband was actually adopted. His biological father passed away in a car accident and his dad now married his mom and then adopted him. And we've just seen what it looks like for a kid to have parents when they didn't. And so that was just really important to us. So yeah, we've loved it. But yeah, you're right ups and downs on the journey. It's not for the weak of heart. Yeah. It's meeting the kids where they're at and sitting with them in it and hopefully being a part of that healing, but knowing that a lot of that is outside of your control and you're just showing up every day. Yeah, exactly what they need. I love this statement that you made. Parents unknowingly destroy their children by being passive. Digital detox exposes the harmful effects of screen time while giving hope and practical direction for parents. Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, my kids were having some behavioral things, some hiccups that my husband and I would kind of look at each other like, is this normal? Is this part of parenting? Is it, what is this? Is it sugar? What is going on? And so we didn't know for sure, but we we did notice after screen time, there would be meltdowns. Even with warnings, we would notice the behaviors of the kids. They also like their sibling fighting was amped up, but it was at the next level from when we were kids. And so we're kind of scratching our heads. And then one day I came home from running errands and one of my kids greeted me at the door with not, hi mommy, but instead it was, can I play on your phone? That was it for me. I told my husband, I called him at work and I said, we need to take a break from all these electronics. The kids are way too into them. So he said, I'm absolutely on board. You're the one that's going to bear the brunt of this since you're at home with them most of the day. So if you're good, I would love it. That's great. So we told the kids at dinner that night and it didn't go over very well because they (laughs) love their electronics. So there were some tears. And as the parent who stays home, it was one of those times where on the outside, you're like, no kids, this is what we're doing. We love you so much. We're going to try it. But on the inside, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Like, what is tomorrow going to look like? And I was really afraid, but thankfully my worst fears were not realized. It wasn't weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kids just knew that 
screen time was off the table. So they started playing with each other and using their imaginations and figuring out how to negotiate their boredom. And it was really like we had flipped a switch. When you originally decided to do this, did you think forever, for two weeks? So initially, between my husband and I, and we had five kids at the time, ages three, we had two three-year-olds, and then all the way up into to nine. And I was homeschooling two of the kids. So it was a very busy season for sure. So between my husband and I, we said, you know what? We're going to do this thing for two weeks. We're going to do it to the end of the month. And then we'll just reassess. But we didn't tell the kids how long we planned to do it. What happened was we got to that two-week point and we said, why would we go back to the way it was before when our kids are getting along better, they're behaving better, we have more of their attention, we're enjoying more time as a family. So we extended it and we kept going for a couple of months until finally we're like, well, they do enjoy some of these things. We want to work some of it back in. And that's when we made a long-term plan that was sustainable and allowed us really to keep the positive results that we got without bringing back in the the post-screen tantrums and things like that. I noticed that you have a lot of charts and forms and a lot of support for a parent who wants to take this on. Absolutely. You know, Lori, it's really crazy how the timing has worked out because parents are really struggling with their kids' screen time right now. If you're a parent today, it's basically a given that this is a problem. A study came out last week. It said that seven in 10 parents are worried that their kids are turning into internet zombies. So you're in good company if you're dealing with this as an issue in your home. Over the course of the pandemic, recreational screen time doubled and has ballooned up to almost eight hours a day that 12 and 13-year-old kids are spending. And that's not including schoolwork. That is pure recreational. I mean, they're spending a full-time job's worth of time looking at a screen. And unfortunately, the effects are beginning to show. We see it with a mental health crisis, that the worst we've ever seen for our kids. Psychiatrists, neurologists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, teachers, everyone's saying this is a problem. But parents don't really need to hear from the experts because they see the problem in their living rooms. They see it. They're living it every single day. They see it in the car, disconnected kids. And so I wrote this book because I want to help other parents get over this hurdle and get from the status quo to a place where digital entertainment is working for them and not the other way around. So what I found, and you're talking about the charts and the graphs and things like that, what I found was as I was researching to write this book, I saw that a lot of a lot of experts are writing about the problem. And they're saying, this is a problem. Here's how it affects the brain. Here's how it's affecting dopamine levels. Sociologists will say, here's how kids can't interact in the same way. And educators are saying, this is why we don't have kids' attention in the classroom. But I didn't see a place where someone was saying, hey, parents, here's how you fix this problem that we all know is a problem. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make this really practical because I did it with our kids. And I started telling my friends about it and they're like, we want to do it. So I helped them with it. And then they started sending me their friends. So I was meeting people and then I started helping people online with it. And so what I found was that the broad aspects of this detox can basically be replicated in households with equally successful results. And so that's why I made this book. It's this practical guide. I wish I had when I started. Do you see so many parents that, especially going through this, this pandemic, that are overwhelmed? And so even though this is a good thing, I could see where they'll be like, that would be too overwhelming. And the chaos that would happen initially might be too much. That's a good question. And when I get really often, so it's, if it sounds scary to take all the screens away, it's because it is scary. It's very scary because 
parents have seen what happens at the end of screen time. And they're like, they're thinking, so am I signing up for two weeks of that? Two weeks of kids crashing like they do at the end of screen time? No, you're not. So here's what happens. You're essentially giving your kids a dopamine fast. So here's how this works. This is why your kids are crashing after their screen time is because their dopamine levels are excessively high when they're using these devices because the people who design them in Silicon Valley, they're really smart. And they've taken what we know about how the brain works and human psychology and what we know about dopamine, this feel-good chemical that gets released anytime we experience anything pleasurable, dopamine is released in our brains. Well, they've taken what we've learned about that and they've baked these dopamine release points into the games and apps that our kids are consuming. And kids' brains are bathing in this dopamine. Their, their levels are just through the roof. So when you turn off the screen, your kids are experiencing a dopamine crash and you're watching it in real time. Real life cannot compare the real life enjoyment, the dopamine release that kids are experiencing from a hug or from going for a walk. It can't compete with the video game. So that's why your kids are complaining of boredom. But when you take it all away, you're essentially resetting that baseline of dopamine into normal real life levels. And part of why that's important is because these dopamine receptors in our kids' brains, they've been dying because it's for such high amounts of dopamine. So our kids really need that fresh start in order to rekindle a love of non-screen. So parents have probably noticed, like I noticed, and most parents I help notice that adjusting minutes of screen time isn't working. And that's why. It's because if screen time is an option during the day, the kids are just focused on that because that's giving them the biggest rush but when you clear it all out for two weeks, you're really giving them a blank slate to work with. Now, do the parents participate as well? They can. Full disclosure, we did not participate in our kids' detox. And there's a couple of reasons for that. That If your kids are younger, parents don't necessarily have to participate. Our kids were nine and under. So we didn't. That said, the older your kids get, the more important it is for you to kind of grab an aspect of your own tech use and kind of get some skin in the game. because. Part of that is that our role has transitioned a little from very authoritative when our kids are little and you can kind of, you know, when your kid has a eight o'clock bedtime and they're small, you tell them to go to bed at eight, but you don't, you don't put yourself to bed at eight just out of solidarity. You know, it's like, no, they're little, they do what you say. But as our kids are getting older, especially when they're heading into those tween and teen years, it's like, if you're saying to your kids, oh, you need to take a break from your devices. And meanwhile, you're, you're scrolling all the time. What does that say to them? Because we know that mentorship has a bigger impact on our developing kids than what we say. So that is really important. The older your kids are, the more important it is to kind of have a little skin in the game for their detox. If you are listening and you've already got kids that are invested, one of the questions would be when is too soon? But if they're already in it, how do you discern time between school and fun? How do you sort all of that out? You mean like tech usage during the wow. detox? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is going to require parents to kind of roll up their sleeves and, and really kind of parse out their technology use. So, so you may need to kind of get in there and see if your kids are going to school during the school day. We did not go into our schools and, de and de declare that our kids are not allowed to participate in videos or anything like that. We kind of made it an at-home thing that we were focused on. While we were homeschooling, our, one of my kids, their math curriculum was on the computer. So we let him still do his math work because that was his math curriculum. Um, so things like that. But it definitely requires parents to, to parse that out. Now, I would say 
educational apps. Like when kids say, oh, can I please do this app? It's educational. No, during the detox, I would definitely take that off the table. You're really trying to minimize the amount of technology your kid is using. If they're using it for school, that's fine. But when it comes to what they're doing outside of schoolwork, you're trying to rekindle a love. So it can be self-defeating if you do that. So you're doing kind of a, a detox for a period of time. And then when you add back in, you, you add very carefully. I find it really helpful to have some broad principles. And I walk parents through this in the book. Your detox is a good opportunity to step back and say, what are we doing here? Like, what do we want to accomplish in our kids' lives over this, these 18 years? What are our guiding principles for, for our family? Because so many parents today, especially with what families have been through over the course of this pandemic, they're just surviving. And so this detox is allowing families to take a minute and go, what are our priorities? What do we want to instill in our kids before they get out of the house? So what we've found in our home, so we're Christian in our house and we want to teach our kids, okay, you love God and you love people. That, those are kind of our driving principles in our home. So how does tech play into those driving principles? And for us, it meant, well, technology that's used to create things and to connect with each other is probably a pretty good use of technology. But technology that we're using to kind of isolate and consume endlessly, that's probably not a very good use of technology. And it turns out that studies really support that too. When, when kids are isolating and consuming, when kids are bringing their phones and their devices into their bedrooms at night, they're suffering from that. So we kind of hashed out these broad principles and then in the day-to-day -day when you're figuring out as things come, mom, can I go on? Can I Google how to draw the Eiffel Tower? Whatever it is, you, you can kind of parse out, okay, they want to use that to create. Okay. And, and so for the for your long-term plan, that's going to look a little different for every family. And that's great that it does because no one knows kids like their parents do. So when you take these two weeks, when parents are taking these two weeks to both reset their kids, their dopamine levels, and study their kids because that's a, an essential part of the detox is studying and observing your kids. What makes them tick? So my kids, my three oldest kids, they're, before we detox them, their three, their favorite hobbies were all different video games. And I just thought, well, that's just how kids are these days. That's what kids like. Well, after our detox, that's not the case anymore. It's go, playing football together or playing piano or doing art or cooking. And our kids are, have lacked these opportunities to kind of develop and grow these skills that they're wired to cultivate. So as parents study this, it's a really beautiful time of just noticing your kids and, and tailoring that long-term plan specifically for your kids and what they need, because parents are more attuned to what those needs and those skills and those talents are than anyone on the planet. So as they develop this long-term plan, they are going to make a plan for devices. And so the second half of the book, Digital Detox 2, that's the whole thing, is developing your long-term plan to sustain your results. We're talking with Molly DeFrank. She's the author of Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. And something that I was really curious about as a foster parent, if you say you've done this and you have this working in your family and now you get a new child coming into your home, how does that work? That's an excellent question, Lori. So we actually had this happen to us. Um, we had a couple new placements after our digital detox and then our long-term plan was in effect. And so our new long-term plan was that was in effect when we got our new foster placements was no recreational screen use during the day. So we would use it at night after everyone was done dinner, dishes together, and then 
PJs on and we'd sit and watch a movie or a TV show that was family friendly. And one of these kids, we had actually a teenager, a teenage girl in the home. And after a couple of days, she kind of said to me, so what's the deal with TV? Are you guys like not TV people? Like what is going on? And I told her, well, we actually really enjoy digital entertainment, but we took it all away a while ago. And we found that everyone feels better and everyone's happier and they get along better when we only use a little bit of it. And so she was kind of a little skeptical initially. And then after a couple of days, she said, you know what? I feel a lot better when I spend more time outside. I feel a lot better when I'm talking to people. And it's honestly pretty mind-blowing. I've had other foster kids, teenagers too. That's where we've seen the hugest difference is in teenagers because these are kids who they're desperate for connection and they're desperate for feeling known and loved. These kids, teenagers, especially foster teens. And, and unfortunately, when kids are spending so much time on social media, you know, we've taken kids during their most vulnerable years, the time when they most need unconditional love. And now they're put into a place of conditional likes. They're on social media posturing and having to put out this persona and checking like, do you like me? Do you like me? How do I need to adapt? Whereas what we have in the home is a relationship with a mom and dad who are saying, I love you all the time. I love you with crazy hair and morning breath and acne. I love you all the time. And I'm always here for you. And that's the exact opposite of what they're getting on their devices. So it is absolutely transformative. And I'm, I'm so glad you asked that about foster kids because that is the most radical transformation and that we've seen in kids with the detox and the long-term plan is in foster kids. When we hear about foster transitions, they're so hard on everyone. But what made me think of that is you had said, this is such a great way for you to really see your kid. And it's so easy to get caught up. I did not raise my kids in a digital world that happened later. So that wasn't something I had to deal with. And I know that my kids are that our parents are very careful about technology, but I could see if somebody came in and that was their link to their old life, I could see where it would be dangerous, but also it might be the one link they have. Hearing you explain it in a way of we're family and we want to hang out together rather than we're trying to break you from old habits, focusing on the positive. Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly what you said. It's relationship that's the key, especially for our older kids. Because if you do, if you plan to just cut the cord, unplug your kids, especially your older kids, and then that's it and bye, it's going to crash and burn. So at the same time that you're unplugging, you're amping up those parental powers of connection. And, and we really, we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's, it's so simple. It's just, it's just being with someone. It's sitting across and eating ice cream, going for a walk. It's, it's so going for a drive on the errands you're already doing. It's just trying to get to the heart and to connect with these kids. It's truly transformative. If somebody listening has little kids, they haven't introduced any of it yet, but what would you say about when do you introduce them and what's too much? If I could go back, I would do so many things differently. I gave my kids the apps, the tablets, let them play the video games, did the cartoons. I used the electronic babysitter for long enough to see that it wasn't working for us. It was changing my kids. It was changing their personalities. And I'm so glad that we, we made that switch. And I truly believe that the tide is turning because, you know, the iPad came out in 2011 
And we've watched for a decade plus 11 years and we've seen, okay, what's happened since then? And we've, we've watched kids on tablets. We bought into the marketing instead of the research and our gut. And really interestingly, some of the most strict parents you're going to find when it comes to allowing digital technology are the people who create it in the first place. So Steve Jobs wouldn't let his kids near an iPad. A lot of these parents are are so restrictive. In fact, they go out of their way to find schools, preschools and elementary schools that don't have that technology. So so we really, as parents right now, need to kind of tune in and pay attention because if we're not careful, we will just go with this flow of people more easy. And then we're going to pay the price for it later. But I, I do believe the tide is turning because people are paying attention and we've seen what happens when you do too much too soon on the technology front. So I say to parents, wait as long as you can start later to the extent that you can build up your kids, real life skills and talents. You are setting them so far ahead, get them hooked on books over the course of time. It took us to break these habits. We now in a waiting room, instead of handing over the tablet, I bring books from the library and I'll pass out a picture book and you can see my six kids sitting in a row reading their books. It's not rocket science. It's very simple. I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not always easy, but it is simple. And while it's not easy, it's absolutely worth it. And it's worth rolling up your sleeves and investing. I was that mom. I was the book mom, taking them to the library, taking books everywhere. And as a grandma, I have 10-year-old grandchildren. There's a book that they want to read. One of them isn't as strong of a reader. And I I thought, because I love audiobooks, I thought, well, maybe I could get him audiobooks. But then I thought, maybe that's cheating. What's your thought on that? Oh no, we love audiobooks. Audiobooks are wonderful. In fact, I have a, a audiobooks and reading aloud. There's so many great things that happen in your kid's brain. And also with audiobooks, when you share a story, I just heard this a, a couple of months ago. When you share a story read aloud, your hearts start to beat in sync with each other, which is pretty mind-blowing. Also, your kids are rooting for the same characters. It kind of puts everyone on the same team for a little bit, which can help when especially if you've got some of those siblings that are butting heads some of the time. We get audiobooks from the library a lot right now. We're listening to Anne of Green Gables in the car driving around. And another really great thing about audiobooks is that let's say you have a first grader or a kindergartner, maybe their reading level, if they're looking at words is like a, I don't know, kindergartner, first grade, but their auditory reading level could be fifth, sixth, seventh grade. So when you take out the work for them that's required to sound out the words it's so much work for them when they're little and you they get to enjoy story and they're hearing so many new words you're kind of bridging that gap for them between where they are and where they wish they could be and you're showing them it's good to press through because look soon you can get the same level of enjoyment when you're reading on your own so there's so many benefits to audiobooks we love them but we also frankly and maybe this sounds kind of silly but we love digital entertainment in our house too. What I would encourage parents with is just, it's not about eliminating all digital entertainment forever. It's about taking a moment to pause, to reboot, and then putting digital entertainment in its right place in your home. For us, that means enjoying it together or using it to create. But this status quo of mindless consumption is it's not working for families. So thankfully there is a way out. And that's what digital detox lays out for parents is here's how to get out of the slump. When I saw your book, 
I thought, how great is this? Because my initial thought was, oh, it's not too late. Oh, it's it's not going this direction, a train that you can't stop. 100%, you're exactly right. And one of the things you learn in foster parenting with all these classes that you take is that the, the brain is plastic. So it can be rewired and kids can learn new things. And that's so encouraging for parents because we're always feeling like, you know, whoops, I kind of blew that thing. Uh, whoops, I made that mistake. But our kids are learning and, and we're human and, and how beautiful too to tell our kids humbly, like, hey, we've learned some things about technology that maybe it's not, this digital entertainment is not great for your brains. And so we're going to try something new for a little while. And it's not a punishment, but I think our family might really enjoy this time together. And so to humbly own even like, gosh, I, I noticed for me, I struggle with this aspect or sometimes I'll start scrolling on my phone and and gosh, before I know it, so much time has gone by and, and I, I like social media, but, but I don't want to spend this much time on it. So we're going to take a break. And, we, and so just explaining to our kids, like they're really smart. So, and, and yeah, they can definitely form these new habits. Our goal really here is to help our kids flourish and to make the most of the time we have with them under our roof. And I promise you your digital detox, this two week period is going to give you so many opportunities to do that as a family. The book is called Digital Detox, the two week tech reset for kids. Where can we find you online? You can find me at mollydefrank.com and you can find more details about the book there. In fact, when you pre-order it right now, it comes out April 19th, but when you pre-order it, you get a lot of free stuff. It's really cool. Like let's say you want to detox your kids you're in, but maybe your spouse is super hesitant. Well, I created something called a spousal convincer. So you can go on there, you save your marital conflict and just hand them this guide. Also sample scripts that I made. So that's another free incentive you get when you pre-order the book. It's how do I break the news to my kids without them staging a coup? Well, here are some ways and it's by different age groups too, because what you're going to tell your two-year-old is going to be different than what you tell your tween. And there's all kinds of stuff like that, a free sample contract for your kids. So when you're making your long-term plan and you're like, gosh, I want to let them have a little but I don't know what's too much. And so I, I made a contract for you. And, and these are all things you get when you go online. You can find it all on my website, mollydefrank.com. You get all this free stuff when you pre-order. What I love about this is it's not like you're sending them to the wilderness and you're totally unplugging. You're actually resetting their brain. It's, it's, it seems like that's the overall. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you talked about neuroplasticity. And are you familiar with Dr. Caroline Leaf? Oh yeah. I love oh. Dr. Leaf. Yeah. And I say this all the time, your mind can change your brain. Foster kids coming in with messages that they've learned or thought, and you as a foster parent has no idea. You, you don't know what they're thinking because you don't really know them. And what a better way to open the door for conversation and to help them kind of rechange the things that they're saying about themselves, because we're seeing online too, how destructive that can be. Absolutely. Lori, you reminded me of something. Um, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal on Monday talking about, it's crazy what's happening with our kids, the real health implications of social media. Girls ages 12 to 17 are starting to develop these tics that looks like Tourette syndrome. So it presents like Tourette, but they go into the, the, the hospital and the movement disorder clinic, and they find it's actually a neurological disorder. And doctors have found that it's actually coming from underlying stress or underlying mental health, but also exposure to these TikToks, these TikTok videos where billions of views on these videos about 
girls developing ticks. So girls are following them. They're watching these and they're, they have their own other, you know, anxiety issues and they're developing these. So ER visits with tick disorders tripled over the course of the pandemic. ER visits for eating disorders for girls, 12 to 17, doubled over the course of the pandemic. And these doctors are, and researchers are looking at this going, what is going on? And they are saying it's because largely due to TikTok and what these girls are consuming. And so the treatment is, and it said this in the Wall Street Journal, the doctors are prescribing the treatment as cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of what you were just describing about changing your thinking patterns and getting these girls off TikTok. And this is medical doctors prescribing these things. So it's huge. And just training, training these kids' minds for, and our own minds too, of holding those thoughts captive, you know, those intrusive thoughts that are telling these girls and, and all of our kids, you know, you're not worthy. Look, you don't measure up. You don't look like that. You're not likable. Look at how few likes you got. Those, you know, you must be unworthy and all those horrible, toxic thoughts in there and just help, giving them the tools to grab those thoughts and hold them captive and tell the truth and say, no, actually, I'm fully known and fully loved. My parents love me so much. I have a place in this world. And part of that is closing that valve of this inundation from social media and online messaging for a little while and turning up that parental connection with our kids to really reach their hearts. I see adults that struggle with that whole comparison thing. But if you give kids the chance to not do that, that then as adults, they might have a better mindset. Absolutely. And you know, there is a researcher out of San Diego State who has studied millions of kids over decades. I think since like the 40s or 50s, they've done these surveys of high schoolers and she's parsed out the data and she has seen that, wow, look at this depression and anxiety crisis. She said, it's it's not like a hiccup in a chart. It is like a tsunami of a mental health crisis. And it was right around 2012, which was more, when more than 50% of the population had a personal phone that was connected to the internet. And so she started looking into these, the social media and the impact on mental health. And what they found to go back to your point was that once kids are starting social media later, after they've done that, like gone through that awkward puberty stuff, figuring out who they are and their place in the world. If they, if they wait until after that, the impact that social media has on their psyche and their mental health is really thwarted. It's really not as harmful as it, as it is when, when kids get it so young So they can be resilient and they can have what they need to kind of sort and sift through. Is this my identity? Do do likes translate to who I am and my worth as a person? And when you wait longer and start later, you're really giving your kids more time to develop the skills that they need and confidence in who they are. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for being brave enough. I don't know if I would have been brave enough. I was a single mom and I might've been like, Hey, let them go, you know? And so thank you for being brave enough. And then not only that, thank you for being willing to share with others. Your website again is mollydfrank.com. Just to encourage friends, what you said is so spot on. So many parents are in difficult situations and they think that I can't do this because I'm a single parent or because I work long hours or whatever it is, but I just want to encourage you, you can do this thing. And not only can you do it, but on the other side of a detox is is 
life and life abundant. It, is, it will make things better and even easier in the long run. So I just want to encourage you, you can absolutely do this. Thank you so much, Molly. What a delight. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. You're so easy to talk to. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. I hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people who are making a difference.